The past year has seen a drop in retailers offering next day delivery. Is it cost, driver shortages, consumer behaviour or other factors that has been driving this change? In this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the economics of delivery from fast to free to VIP and to green. We will be joined by Mike Hancock, who's the Chief Executive Officer of Yodo for a carrier's point of view. As always, I'm Katie Searles, editor of DeliveryX. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ian Jindal, who is the editor and chief of Internet Retailing, and Narvar's Chris Hoskins. So shipping. Shipping. <laughs> well, look, we've talked a lot about should do, could do, must do, blah, blah, blah. So I was really keen to presume on Mike's time and get a behind-the-scenes view to what it's like to run and grow a business that is delivering the promises we make while we also beat them up and say, do it better while doing it cheaper. And particularly, I think, coming out of the various lockdowns, the pandemics, when the frontline drivers became national heroes alongside grocery staff and NHS workers, you know, who did you see more for two years other than your delivery people? So that was Amazing. So all of these pressures, all these opportunities, and now we're we're seeing the parcel volumes growing. It's a massively pressured area, and staff shortages, supply chain problems that they have to apologise for. Who, other than a very brave person, would be in this sector? So I was super keen uh, to hear from Mike and get a view behind the scenes. I'm looking forward to it. I'm presuming he's completely relaxed and... Uh... Totally chilled. <laughs> Very chilled. <He's, laughs> um, the interview was really interesting because it was all, all start, started with carrier reputation and how you how you claw that back and um, he's very very honest and we can hear from him now about how important it is to just get the basics right. I think the first thing for me is is get the basics right and it's absolute consistency of doing what you want to be good at which is delivering a parcel within the service standards that you've contracted for so you know the consumer and the retail client wants to know if they're buying a 24-hour service that parcel is going to go out in 24 hours if they're buying a service with a proof of delivery they're going to get it if they're buying a 48-hour service with no proof of delivery that's what they get and at the time yodel wasn't known for that there were some service issues for sure the brand had taken a little bit of a kicking, I think, in, in in PR circles. Certainly our social media presence wasn't good. And for me, there was a clear requirement to improve the perception of the brand and to make sure that the service standards were consistent, because I think that's the main thing that retailers are looking for. So when I came to Yodel, first of all, I, w- I would say I joined a really good team. And they'd already set out that they needed to be good at the basics and, and that led with with customer service. And to make that an easier task, there was a requirement to invest in technology. And at that point, three years ago, I think Yodel were behind our competitors. Our competitors had done some good stuff in terms of tracking parcels and communicating with customers, letting them know where the parcel was on the journey from the retailer to their front door. And, you know, for me, it was pretty clear we needed to improve our messaging. We needed to make ourselves more accessible. 
we needed to improve the interaction either through web chat or through the telephone offering. And we needed to focus on the social media metrics that people look at when they're making decisions about brands, not just logistics brands. Mm. Yeah. Part of me as a customer has no sympathy at all. <laughs> it's like your problem. But then if it did become my problem, I just wouldn't want it. Because you know, if you're a frontline shop assistant, within the context of your store, you can do anything for the customer. So Chris, if you're standing in front of me and you're not happy with a product, I can go get you another one. I can show you something. I can give you a refund. There are things that I can do. Whereas if you are part of this enormous machine and the parcel physically isn't in your van, what are you supposed to do? Or someone else has broken it or mislabeled it and then you're standing in front of the customer. So I think one of the things that you know we, we realise uh, by putting ourselves in Mike's position is that when he says getting the basics right, they're not that basic and they're quite hard to get right at scale to the service levels needed. So it is kind of a, a humbling moment when you're seeing infrastructure be built in front of your eyes. And because we can now track a parcel from the moment it leaves the shop, the distribution centre, to when it's in the van, to, to the minute detail of it's seven houses away, we've kind of, as a consumer, we expect that. So when that goes wrong, when that doesn't happen, when there's not that in-flight information, we tend to be difficult to deal with. Yeah, and this is a fascinating fascinating topic because the bit that I find really hard to get my head around is, you know, Mike's customer is the merchant that's placing an order with his business for you know, X amount of volume for a, a particular service level. And then he also has the end customer, the person that's sat at home or sat in an office expectant on that delivery with all of the emotions associated um, to getting it on time um, as expected. So there's this really curious angle between who owns the customer? Is mm. it the brand and the merchant that owns the customer or owns the, the relationship with the customer? Or is it the carrier or the free PL who is providing these tracking yeah. experiences? And the answer is all of them or none of them, and I'd kind of, I almost, uh, I almost think like the customer will will but decide. It, I think there's there are decision points, and I think in the case of carrier, they are cumulative, and not one off. So, for example, if I were thinking about buying from you, Chris, I'd be looking at the products, I'd look at the checkout, the price, think yes, no, it's an in the moment decision. Whereas what we're seeing, and Mike mentioned this in terms of their social media presence is if I'm looking at things, oh, I really want to get the T-shirt you're selling, Chris, I love the T-shirt, and I look at the delivery option and think, oh, you're not offering me guaranteed next day delivery. It may or may not arrive in time for birthday slash holiday slash weekend. I may or may not be in. You guys toss it over the fence. It'll be ruined. Or I'll, you know, I can't go to your depot because it's miles away. These sort of accretions of, if you like, past experience... They can be invisible, but they can make or break a sale. And so I think what we're seeing now is as the parcel networks brand themselves more and they're more visible in the checkout, then I think they can have a positive approach to selling. 
they can have a positive approach when you're selling on, on eBay, B2B. If you say to someone, I've sent it to you by Hermes or DPD, then is that better than saying, I've just sent it to you by non-signed for best effort second-class post? Which one's going to cheer you up? So there are lots of decisions. I think that they're part of the mix, but they're not quite as yes, no. They're more, ooh. So I think I think it's a partnership. But I think the other thing that Mike said that really is telling is uh, he said the service level for the cost they're willing to pay for. Yeah. And these are the negotiations where, you know, you make a promise and then you see whether the customer accepts it or not. Because I think time and time again, we see that there's a balance between paying for something and getting it next day or wanting it for free and therefore being willing to be slightly more patient. During the pandemic, I think everybody wanted everything now and we saw the increase of rapid delivery, of quick commerce, but there has been a slight change and a slowing in that. And in recent research, we're seeing that, in fact, next day delivery is no longer king. People are willing to be patient if it saves them the price of Mm. paying for it and, and Mike can expand on that. The really good retailers now absolutely understand their customer and what their customers want. I think the industry has gone through a, a series of changes where, you know, next day delivery became king. Two-hour deliveries in certain areas became the the thing that people were aspiring to. But, you know, through it all, for me, the most important thing is certainty of delivery in the time frame of the service that you've bought. There are more recently trends towards pick-up and drop-off locations rather than final mile. I'm sure we'll talk about that today because that is that is something that's important for lots of reasons. It gives the end customer convenience. Uh, it gives them another option. It potentially is helpful for the, the green agenda in that it reduces the number of diesel chugging vans going down a cul-de-sac on any given day. And you know, the most important thing is the customer choice. And, you know, for customers that are already out and about and potentially passing a pickup location, they they do enjoy that experience. And at Yodel, operate a click and collect service and have parcels delivered to the store that they can pick up when they're ready. Mm -hmm. So 369 UK retailers offer click and collect service it is something that's increasing that's 52 percent the uk is the highest to offer that service and i think mike hits it on the head with convenience there we've discussed in previous episodes of this podcast you know if you're in town anyway if you're dropping past isn't it better to pick it up and make sure that the parcel is delivered first time because you're collecting it than have it chucked over the fence than Mm. having to go to a depot or you know to be hidden under your cardboard bin look i think it's definitely part of the expectation maybe not first time second time or third time but again by now there aren't many first time customers who've never used click and collect or you know deliver to store so you know, the customer has a background of experience. What we're also seeing, though, is the move. Mike mentioned uh, people want certainty. I also think they want information. And so the growing importance of not trust me, it'll be okay, it'll be on Tuesday, but I want to know that Mohammed, my driver, picked it up at 8.09 from the Enfield Depot and this is a map of him driving towards you. You want to see that transparency. 
And then the other thing is in-flight changes. So if they're delayed, say, don't worry, leave it at the 24-hour store. Or if I'm delayed, leave with a neighbour. Again, the customers are terrible. As soon as we get something working, we want something more. But I think transparency, as well as in-flight changes, are needed now on top of 100% certainty. And who doesn't love a picture of your husband's feet as he's like received the parcel from a delivery driver and they've snapped a picture and it's literally just your doorstop and his feet? I, I don't feel you need that level. I'm sure there are websites dedicated <laughs> to that and uh, our listener will let us know, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think what you're talking about, Ian, as well is, you know, the expectation. So I think I think that wave of popularity for next day was... You know, very much the kind of echo of Amazon Prime um, and a, a requirement to almost be seen to be able to follow mm-hmm. suit. The comment around, you know, knowing that it's left the depot, that I'm seven houses away, you know, ultimately that's the kind of Uber experience or the mm-hmm. Deliveroo experience. And it's all of these things that have informed consumer expectations. It's yes. still, it still becomes, you know, am I confident is their trust, you know, all of those things. I still think they'll, you know, there's a lovely line in Star Wars, which I keep coming back to, which is only a Sith Lord believes in absolutes. And it's the same for so many different arguments. So so there will be many situations where a consumer will buy something and they do want it next day. Hmm. It's really important they have it next day because they need that pair of shoes because it's for a wedding or whatever it is. And, you know, as well as as well as trust and confidence, there's that piece around kind of price versus convenience. Mm. And, you know, the the retailers that are selling to multiple segments of, of society will have to have those um, delivery options in the basket. Mm. And they'll need the mechanisms to be able to communicate during the process of delivery and dare i say it when something's going back as a return you'll want tracking on the returns as well and the refund etc 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 so it's it does all come down to confidence and convenience Mm. but while we're trying to improve the actual service that might be doable but at the same time we're getting a massive increase in volumes Mm. so it's as if we're having to get better while getting bigger which is never easy. It's such a balancing act. We've we've listed all these points and then you do have seen COVID happen, which just changed how we received parcels. And Mike is going to talk us through just how they dealt with the jump in volume. It was a interesting and challenging time. The, the early months of COVID, of course, nobody really knew what was going to happen. And there was a lot of scaremongering around the the COVID virus and you know whether you touched a part if you touched a parcel you were going to catch the virus and all those sorts of things. The early days were difficult. So the line of travel was that we grew our volume significantly. So to put that into context, about thirty percent from where we were at the start of the pandemic to where we finished, and that that has remained with us. Um, we've we've stayed at that higher level of, of volume. And for a national network such as ours, you know, I'll, I'll talk like an accountant now, we have a high fixed cost base. And so the ability to add 30% volumes is transformational in terms of what that means to your your profits. Now, what we experienced on the road was, as you suggested, um, a real change in the feeling towards delivery drivers. There was a lot of goodwill 
um, a lot of people giving gifts to our drivers in the form of, you know, a slice of cake and a cup of tea. They were really pleased to see people in, in those days where you couldn't leave your house and you weren't meeting people. The delivery driver was a hopefully smiling face. We had, just before the pandemic, invested quite a lot of money into doorstep experience training for our drivers, which is something that I think had been neglected. So the timing of that was perfect in that we just finished that training, the pandemic happened, and then people wanted to see the drivers. We, of course, also benefited from the fact that the roads were quieter. We, we, we became naturally more efficient because we could do more deliveries in a day. You know, many of our retail clients saw a real boom because people were ordering more for delivery to home than, than they were if they'd been going to the supermarket. And for us, it was transformational in terms of the perception of the brand. You know, as I alluded to earlier, if you go back five, six years, Yodel was a tarnished brand in the eyes of many people who'd had a poor delivery experience and had seen some negative PR. So much so that when I joined Yodel, I wasn't sure whether it was a name that we should continue with or whether we should think of a different name. And um, we stuck with it. And actually, we, we saw a turnaround in the perception of the brand. We also found it quite easy to recruit the drivers that were needed to deliver these additional volumes. Um, we worked with a lot of people for the first time. We, we had taxi firms working and delivering for us because they couldn't deliver people to destinations. We had airline pilots, we had professional sportsmen, we had all sorts of people come in. And the secret of turning that into a successful experience was actually technology. We'd been working really hard on developing an app that was able to be downloaded onto any smart device that would increase the speed of training and effectiveness of a driver. So as we took on more drivers through the pandemic, we gave them access to that technology to make their job easier in terms of the way they schedule the deliveries for the round and uh, in terms of the use of things like satellite navigation systems and scanning technology. So as several things came together through the pandemic. The net result was we were 30% bigger off essentially the same infrastructure and that was clearly beneficial for our bottom line. Mm. Now, pleased to hear about their bottom line, but from a customer perspective, we're also demanding that level seven days a week. So, I mean, I grew up in South Wales in the 1970s, and our listener probably wasn't born then, but the thought of having a parcel delivered on the Lord's Day when there was no TV and no shops open, it unheard of. Whereas now, you know, we're clicking, buying, delivering. The, the service demands are just becoming 24 hours a day, seven days a week, year round. It's really interesting to hear what Mike's already done at Yodo, but he is wanting to bring that forward to evolve it more. And part of that is a seven day service. And he'll take us through that now. I think flexibility around the operation is clearly something that's going to come. We don't operate seven days a week at Yodel. We're essentially a five and a half day week operation. And, you know, there are some clients that really want seven days. That's a big change for us. You know, that will involve hiring a lot more people, changing our systems, changing our operation, but has a potential big win for, for the company. So seven day working will be a big project and we're looking hard at it. 
as is still making better use of the infrastructure. You know, we're still a company that works off what I would call first wave deliveries. So, you know, early in the morning, the drivers go in, they load up the van and they go out for the day. We've got the the physical infrastructure. You know, we can look at second wave, maybe even third wave logistics throughout the day, continuous logistics as some people refer to it. So there's a lot more that we can do. Technology is also developing really quickly. And, you know, I, I think, you know, there's things that we can't even imagine at the moment that will, that will come along. And, you know, increasingly, I think many of the logistics companies would start to call themselves technology businesses at the same point. So I think there's that to think about. And we've touched on it already, but, you know, that sustainability green agenda is only going to grow in importance. And I think, you know, we can't invest to the point that we lose money, but we have to think cleverly and tactically about how we can do more to reduce CO2 emissions as a business. And, uh, you know, that's an area that we, we're really interested in. I mean, one area that we haven't touched on, you know, technology is great, vans are great. The thing is, though, that Mike and the other carriers are fighting for people. So when we talk about the last mile, literally the last handshake is giving you the parcel. And we've seen in retail, trying to get people with skills who want to work at a price that we used to be able to pay is becoming incredibly difficult. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Mike's not going to say this and it is impossible to meet the demand of the consumer today in terms of you know getting those deliveries out. There are going to be some problems with delivery no matter what mm-hmm. because there is just not enough capacity to get it right every time. And so hence the investment in technology yeah. to be able to you know deliver the right message to course correct in terms of communication after something's been bought and before it's mm. been been received it's an unpalatable truth i guess like capacities that's right and we're seeing this though not just in the delivery vans people services but also in stores so if you look at the post pandemic change to urban grocers the majority of the staff in your local waitress now your co-op are racing around with a headset filling baskets because the the economics of delivery to small-scale two-bag, pick up and walk it home, I'll come and get it, but could you pre-shop for me or could you deliver? We're seeing the idea of delivery extending from just delivery to in-store, local, drive-through. You know, the technology that Mike is talking about is if you like, needed inside the retailers and in inside areas linked to cars. It's going to be an incredible time both for service and for the technology that enables that. It's, it's a great point. And the technology is needed, one, to deal with, as you said, the, the labour shortages because you have these poor staff running around doing multiple jobs rather than just being on a checkout or filling shelves. And we could have never predicted the effect COVID would have had on e-commerce. We would also have had to have a crystal ball to sort of suggest that the fuel crisis was ever going to happen. And Mike is very truthful at discussing the challenges that carriers are facing. There are always new challenges. 
At the moment, fuel is, is a big challenge for all of the logistics companies. We need to hope that there is some reduction in fuel inflation. Um, I think the government have to act on on fuel inflation. It just can't carry on as it is. Um, So the sooner the better on that. Uh, We're clearly in a general inflationary environment, which is is not helpful either. But there's, there's things coming along all the time. And I think for me, you know, I can see a way forward for Yodel to continue to get bigger and to get more profitable. And that maybe is adopting technology or, for example, um, bikes, (laughs) taking away the fuel. And those are particularly handy when dealing with this rapid delivery that Mm. we're seeing. A delivery Uber Eats or whatever model that you're deploying, but used by the likes of Boots, by Curry's, by a sort of range of high street retailers are turning to this to make sure you can get your medical products in 15 minutes if you've lost your phone charger and you're not in your normal environment if you're in a city somebody on a bike will bring it to you Mm. Um, and that's something that all carriers are having to adapt to very quickly because it's a busy market busy and everyone's busy acquiring each other (laughs) so we run a tracker of queue delivery companies and I have to update it every quarter because I guarantee someone will have bought one of their competitors. But, you know, I live uh, in London. When I get to my local tube station, there's a big tent that says Gorillas that says, order now, race you home. And I live six and a half minutes walk from the tube station. I'm thinking, shall I just, you know, literally walk quickly and try and beat a courier that isn't standing there? They're just being called in. So you mentioned earlier on, Chris, Uber Deliveroo. So we're seeing the Uberification, a uh, horrible word, uh, the Deliveruing of of <laughs> delivery. In your Welsh time, Thank that you. sounded so good. <laughs> I'm not sure it's legal, but um, we're also seeing the same time. We interviewed Chris Conway at the co-op last year, and he was talking about how they have adapted their staff resourcing and allocation app so that when they have a quiet moment, they go from shelf replenishment to pick, pack, and then walking things to customers. So I think if you take flexible technology with some of the new business models, along with flexible staff and the right in-store business model, we are just seeing the world disaggregate from you know these really lumpy, you can have it on a Tuesday or not at all, to everything can be deployed, provided staff, technology, and business model come together. I think that's brilliant. And throw in inflation and a looming recession. Innovation is inevitable. That seems to be the root of uh, great ideas and a beautiful future. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Well, that's a cheery note to end and who would want to work in shipping <laughs> we'll just sit on a podcast and talk about it instead exactly I'd, I'd rather talk about it than be doing it much so more comfortable good luck to them <laughs> thank you thanks